Thank you, Brother Dave, for your prayer. Obviously, we are a needy people. A lot of prayer requests came in. I like it when we pray. We're praying for each other. Dave and LaVon, it's good to have you and your family back. And I will tell you, I think we feel a little more complete that, that you all are back. Good to have you back. And I'm glad that Elam and Ellen are here thinking about their 70th birthdays. I remarked to Brother Elam a week or two ago, I said, Brother Elam, if you're getting tired, recognize or take comfort in the fact that the priest in the Old Testament, they retired at 50. Well, you didn't get started till you was 50, and then you preached for another 20 years. So, Brother Elam, if you're a little tired, it's okay. <laughs> uh, looking forward to the celebration this afternoon. For a message this morning, Jesus would invite you and me to join the multitude by the seashore to hear the living word. So I invite you to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew 13 tells us that Jesus spoke to the many who had gathered in parables. The first parable there in Matthew 13 is the parable of the sower or the soils in verses 3 through 23. The second parable is the parable of the wheat and tares from verses 24 to 30. And we want to pick up from there. Jesus continues his discourse in verses 31 and 32 on the third parable. And that is the parable of the mustard seed. Join me with me. Let's look at Matthew 13 verses 31 and 32. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like to a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all seeds. But when it is grown, it is the greatest among herbs, and becometh a tree, so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. Now, if you allow me, I'm going to try to condense 6,000 years of history into two paragraphs. And I believe that you and I would, we would agree that initially God had established the kingdom of heaven here on earth at creation. Would we agree? I believe God did that 6,000 years ago. So 6,000 years ago, there was only one kingdom. And it was a kingdom of love, a kingdom of goodness, unity, and peace. But in short, we know that Satan was cast out of heaven to the earth for his rebellion. And Adam and Eve fell to the deception of the serpent and sinned in the garden. And Satan's kingdom has been one of sorrow, one of sin, one of deception, one of guilt, and one of death. And from that time on, these two kingdoms have been in continual conflict. So that is a condense, condensing in two paragraphs of 6,000 years. We think about the two kingdom concept, God's kingdom, we think of Satan's kingdom. But brothers and sisters in 2023, as you and I, as we view the moral landscape, the evidence of Satan's kingdom seems to be advancing. And the natural question is, where's the kingdom of heaven? Is there any hope? For the restoration of this generation? And praise God, 
Jesus would tell us emphatically that there is hope. And all three members of the Trinity are working to bring about this restoration. God's kingdom is advancing. The kingdom of heaven will overcome in the end. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. God's kingdom, the kingdom of heaven is advancing and I say praise his holy name. You know, I can speak a few words to you, to your head, your ears, but I can't affect your heart. Let's pray. Father, we bow in the silence here today and we confess that your word is truth. And Father, we believe that you desire to speak to us. And Father, I pray that you will defeat the purposes of Satan through the blood of Christ. And Lord, the Holy Spirit will minister to the, the words beyond our ears into our hearts. And I pray, Lord, that you'll help us to hear with the intention of obeying your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. The title of the message this morning is A Tiny Seed Multiplied. And we already have read the text. And in verse 31, Jesus compares the kingdom of heaven with a single tiny seed. And you know what the world dismisses as small and insignificant, God views with great, um, great grief. He views with it as great value. And notice in this verse here, notice the faith of the farmer. He invested not only time, but he invested energy in this one tiny individual seed. He took the seed, he planted the seed, and he trusted. He trusted God for the fruition. And notice in verse 32, faith is rewarded. The tiny seed grew into fruition, and the birds came. And what did the birds find? They found, number one, sustenance. They found protection. They found fellowship, and I believe that's a great parallel from the life of one seed. As we think about that one seed, Jesus Christ, from Jesus Christ springs the church. And from this one seed, you and I, we have found eternal life. From this one seed, Jesus Christ, the kingdom has expanded into many trees. And through this one seed from Jesus, you and I have also found sustenance. We have found protection, and we have found fellowship. That's a blessing. We can come here on a Sunday morning, we can find sustenance. We find protection, and we find fellowship. And what a blessing all of those are for each one of us. And here's another parallel, and I guess this is the burden for the of the message this morning. Let's you and I not focus on the quantity of the harvest but rather on being faithful to the opportunities that come our way. And you can say, well, let me just say it this way. I feel that Jay needs this sermon. If you all would like to listen in, be my guest. Let's don't focus so much on the quantity of the harvest, but let's rather focus on being faithful to the opportunities that come our way. Paul said, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God 
God gave the increase. We are supposed to be like Paul. Let's plant. God gives the increase. We don't have to worry about the, the increase. God will take care of it. The first point of the message, the residence of the kingdom of heaven. So I ask you, where is the kingdom of heaven? Obviously, the source of the kingdom of heaven resides in the sun. But I personally believe the kingdom of heaven is visible right here this morning. And that is in you and hopefully in me. The kingdom of heaven. Where is it? I believe it resides in the heart of the believer. And isn't it true that God has chosen you and me to be a tiny seed multiplied that is being faithful in advancing his kingdom? And I say, God help us. So I'd like to ask three questions. The first one is rhetorical. Do you desire to be a faithful tool in God's hand to advance the kingdom of heaven in this generation? And I think if I would ask you, please raise your hands. You don't need to. But if I ask, you know, how many of you want to be a tool in God's hand to advance his kingdom? Every hand would go up. And mine would go up with you. Second question And this is where I have found myself before. Have you and I ever looked at others with their many gifts and abilities and we felt somewhat discouraged because we seem so average? We seem like we have so little to offer. Have you ever been there? I have. And I'm going to be honest this morning. I hope I'm honest every every morning. There's times that I've even looked at my ministerial team and they've got some gifts that I don't have that I wish that I had. But that's okay. They can fill out the weak parts that I don't have and praise God for them. And I appreciate my brethren and what they bring to the table. I appreciate what you bring to the table, brothers and sisters. We need each other. Are there times that we look at others and are somewhat discouraged? I think there are. And the third question, is it possible to measure faithfulness? And I would say that you and I cannot do that, but God can. So if I was to share two names with you this morning, I believe there was one name of this person that you would not recognize, probably because he was a man of obscurity. But the other man, you would recognize him as a mighty giant in God's kingdom. From our perspective, which one of these men was most effective? But from God's perspective, which man was the most valuable in his kingdom? And I submit to you that both of these men were very important. Second point of the message the fruition of a tiny seed. I'd like to tell you a story that I shared with you 19 years ago. I hope this is not too repetitious. Edward Kimball was a Sunday school teacher in Boston. There was a 19-year-old young man in his class who obviously was untaught and ignorant about the Bible. Can anyone tell me the name of the man he went to see? Edward Kimball, I'm assuming you do not know. But who was Edward Kimball? He had a Sunday school class, and he wanted to share Christ with this 
young man. Can anybody tell me who that young man was? His name was D.L. Moody. I decided to speak to Moody about his soul. I started down toward Holton's shoe store. When I was nearly there, I began to wonder whether I ought to go in during business hours. And I thought, maybe my mission might embarrass him because the other clerks would think I was just trying to turn him into a good boy. While I was pondering it all, I passed the store without noticing it. And then, when I found I had gone by the door, I determined to make a dash for it and have it over at once. Kimball found Moody working in the stock room wrapping and shelving shoes. Kimball said he spoke with limping words. I never could remember what I did say. Something about Christ and his love. That was all. Kimball, he admitted, it was in a weak appeal. But Moody then and there gave his heart to the Lord. And you know the rest of the story. God empowered D.L. Moody in a tremendous way on both sides of the Atlantic. Tens of thousands of people testified that they came to Christ because of Moody's ministry. But I submit to you, for Moody to be able to reach the masses, the multitudes of people, Kimball needed to be faithful in reaching out to an individual. So in God's economy, which one was the most influential? We can say that we know Moody, he influenced thousands of people. But what about Kimball? Was he important? Third point of the message, quantity of gifts versus faithfulness. If you want to turn to it, you can. Matthew chapter 25. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but in Matthew 25, we read the parable of the talents. In verse 14, from the NIV, it reads this way. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and he entrusted his property to them. doesn't quite say that in the King James, but I like that. This man that went on a journey, he, he went to his, those under him and he entrusted his property to them. In verse 15, to one he gave five talents, to another he gave two talents, and to another he gave one talent. In essence... The quality of the money distributed to each one reflected both their ability to protect their master's property and their ability to grow his trust. So what was of greater importance? Was it the quantity of the gift that was given or was it the faithfulness in the task that was received? And obviously it was the latter. The most important, the men were to be faithful in the task that they received. And I'm not going to go into it, but you know what happened to the one. The one went and hid his Lord's money. And you know what happened. The Lord came and asked him, what about the money? And he said, well, I went and hid it. And he was condemned. And I personally believe if the one who had received one talent would have came to his Lord and he said, Lord, you give me one talent I have gained one talent more. I personally believe he would have said, well done, thou faithful servant. Enter into the joy of, your, of the Lord. But he went and hid his Lord's money. And brothers and sisters, let's not forget, the Lord has given you one or two or five talents. Be careful. 
that you don't go and hide your Lord's money. Fourth point of the message, a New Testament example of a tiny seed sowing. Now you remember, excuse me, you remember the story of Edward Kimball and D.L. Moody and which disciple? Now I'd like to switch gears and think about the disciples and which one of these do you think is the most important? If I would tell you two names, if I would tell you Peter or Andrew, which is the most important? Because we all know that on the day of Pentecost, Peter preached that tremendous sermon. And how many people were added to the body of Christ? 3,000. Wow. An influencer for the kingdom. But I ask you, how is it that Peter stood on the podium to preach that great sermon at the day of Pentecost? And I submit to you that Andrew was faithful in planting one individual seed in the kingdom of God, and I submit to you that was a tiny seed multiplied. Because of time this morning, I don't know that I'm going to go to these verses, but I would like to submit to you that in John 1, verses 35 to 37, we have Andrew's introduction to Christ. John the Baptist had introduced Christ. Secondly, um, Andrew investigated the claim in John 1, verses 38 and 39. And then the fruits of conviction. Um, Andrew went and he met Peter, his brother, and he said, Come, and we have found the Messiah. The fruits of conviction. Notice Andrew, number one, he searched for Peter. Secondly, he told him of Jesus, the Messiah. We have found the Messiah. And then Andrew brought Peter to Jesus. So which one was the most important? Was it Peter or Andrew? And I'd like to share a paraphrase. I hope this is not doing injustice to Scripture. But as I thought about our text that we read in Matthew chapter 13, I would submit this paraphrase. The kingdom of heaven is likened to a single grain of mustard seed that Andrew planted in faith. The, seed, the seedling germinated and grew into a bountiful harvest in the kingdom of God. I was thinking that somewhere I, I was going to say that we ought to consider the size of a mustard seed. And I went to my wife and I asked her to go into her spice drawer and get me, if she had, some mustard seeds. And so that's what I brought along. Uh, it'd be interesting if I'd have a child to come up here and see if they could start counting how many mustard seeds is in this bottle, how long it would take. The seeds in this bottle are about the size of a pinhead. But it's my understanding that the original Mustard seed that is in Israel are much smaller than what this is. You probably could just put them in your hand, 100 or 200, and blow a little bit, and they'd be all over the place. It was obvious that when Jesus was sitting there by the seashore teaching this great lesson, that the disciples and the multitude probably could look out on the hills and they could see multitudes of mustard plants 
of mustard trees. And obviously, Jesus uh, was a great storyteller. Uh, I don't know that I had this in my notes, but I understand that statistics would tell us that if someone preaches a sermon or gives out word or text only, in three days, you know how much you'll remember? 10%. But if you couple it with a picture or an object lesson, you only lose 35%. So in three days, you would retain 65% if you think of, of the picture or the object lesson. So uh, maybe that's why I brought this. So maybe this you'll retain a little bit more uh, through the week. I thought of asking you all, who can tell me what Brother Elam preached last Sunday? Who can tell me the title? I mean, we can laugh and say, you think that I lost 90%? of what Brother Ilum said in three days? Well, what did he preach about? What was his title? And I'm not going to ask you all to say that this morning. But let's pay attention. God's word is, is to be paid attention to. The fifth point of the lesson would be lessons from Andrew's faithfulness. And once again, I don't think I'm going to turn to these these passages because of lack of time, but I would like to submit to you that Andrew saw great value in individual people and in individual souls. Not only did, did Andrew bring Peter to Jesus, he brought many others. Um, in John chapter 12, verses 19 to 22, there were some Greeks there that we would see Jesus. And Andrew uh, was instrumental in bringing these people to Christ. Secondly, I submit to you that Andrew saw great value in small gifts. In John chapter 6, verse 8 to 9, it speaks in there when Jesus was ready to uh, the feeding of the 5,000. And they didn't know where they was going to find all this food. But Andrew said, well, there is a lad here. He's got a little lunch of five loaves and two fishes. But what is that among so many people? And, you know, maybe he didn't know how Jesus was going to do the miracle, but he kept his eyes on Jesus. And I hope that's a lesson for you and I, that we see value in small gifts. We may not know how God will answer, but keep our eyes on him. Maybe the, there are difficulties in your life and mine. Let's look to the source, which Andrew did. Thirdly, Andrew was a man of impartiality. And once again, there in John chapter 12, maybe I ought to read that one so, so I get it right. John chapter 12, verses 20 to 22. And there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. The same came... but. Therefore to Philip, which was at Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. Philip cometh and telleth Andrew. And again, Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. And so Andrew was instrumental, not only of bringing the Jews, but also the Gentiles. He was concerned. Are you and I concerned for people outside of our own group? I hope we are. So lessons from Andrew's faithfulness. Now I'd like to share the sixth point of the message, modern day examples of faithfulness. And 
the blessings of technology, it's not uncommon for me to go to Northwoods Mennonite Church and pull up a message uh, there to, to watch, and I do that every now and then. The other day, I pulled up Northwoods Mennonite Church. That's where Sharon goes in Wisconsin. I think we have some from Wisconsin here this morning, maybe a little north of you. Anyway, um, Claire Martin was preaching a sermon titled, A Mennonite Jesus, and he told about how he has a brother who has a Bible ministry, and when his brother goes and meets others, he often inquires of their name. And so like if he's in a certain town and he's driving his truck through or whatever, he meets somebody and he asks them their name, and when he comes back through the next time, he has a Bible for them, and he personalizes their name on the front and he gives it to them. Inside the front and back cover, uh, it may be the name of his church and also some personal notes, but I guess I have appreciated Christian Aid Ministries Bibles for the World. I like that program. And I'm not trying to be smart to you. We have, I guess, contributed to that for some time. But you know, do we expect Christian Aid Ministries to do it all? I guess the challenge was to me, Jay, what can you do? Be a little more creative. So what can you do? What can I do to impact the people that we meet? Let's don't expect somebody else to have to do all the work, is my point. As we think of these little tiny seeds, I want to go on the negative side just a little bit and challenge you and me with the danger of planting tiny seeds that are polluted. Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8 reads this way. Galatians 6, verses 7 and 8. The Bible tells us, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. God says that what we plant, that's what, what we reap, is what we're going to, what we sow is what we're going to reap. And I would suggest to you that there is danger, danger when punishment is delayed. Somebody might think, well, if I take this little drink, if I take this little smoke, if I go to this sensual site on the computer, or if I enjoy some illicit pleasure and the punishment not doesn't soon follow, they may get to the point where they think, well, I'm getting by with this. It doesn't really seem that big a deal. Let's not forget what God's word says. James 1, 13 to 15 reads this way. James 1, 13 to 15 let no man say, when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. How does it happen? But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. I remember a sermon that Luke Bennett preached from this pulpit six years ago 
And I imagine some of you remember it too. It's an interesting sermon. The title of it was The Sin of the Controlling Spirit in 2017. We need to be careful of the controlling spirit. And I'd like to say that I have seen and I've heard stories of fathers who may have been, are very, very strict in the home. Maybe overly so. And maybe there's anger as they uh, relate to their children and their families. And sometimes some of, these, some of these fathers may teach Sunday school. They may be wearing a plain suit. Everything looks right. But evidently somewhere in the home there is a very strict adherence, expectation, and anger. And brothers and sisters, let's be careful I believe that's a red flag that there could be something wrong in that father's life. I've seen it. I've heard tales of it. Let's be careful, fathers, that we love, that we instruct, that we be the example that God wants us to be. I had a couple stories, and I don't know how many to tell you, um, from this, this man's, Claire's brother's, Bible ministry, evidently he had given uh, a trucker a CD or a Bible, and this trucker gave his heart to the Lord. And he in turn visited a little restaurant, and he became acquainted with a, re a waitress that was in this restaurant, and he inquired of her name. And the next time the trucker came through and visited the restaurant, he was told that this lady, this waitress was not there, and he said, here's a Bible for her. And he had personalized this Bible. And he said, you make sure that you give this to this lady. And they said, well, she's not here today. Her house burned down. And in the course of time, she received this Bible. And God's work in her heart. She gave her heart to the Lord. Another one, uh, Claire told this story that on some of these CAM projects, there was a an Amish bishop that was overseeing a work in, in the south. And there was a rough man, his name was Joe, and he approached this soup kitchen in Homa, Louisiana. And he said he wanted to donate some pre, a large quantity of pre-packed food. And this bishop, this Amish bishop, kind of started questioning him, why, why are you bringing this food? And the man who looked pretty rough, he said, God has been working on me. And he pushed him a little further and he said, some time ago, he said, God was working on me. He's, God told me, he said, everything that you're doing, you're doing for yourself. I think the Amish bishop called this man Joe. And God told Joe that all the things that you do, you just do for yourself. You should give, you should share with someone. And so Joe decided he was going to do what he had been directed. So he gave something, and I don't know what it was. My understanding was the very next day, a tornado, this hurricane came through, and there were three or four neighbors around Joe. Their houses were flattened. Joe's house was left standing, and even a pop can was sitting on a picnic table that was undisturbed. Why do you think Joe's property was left unscathed? <clears throat> One more story. 
and this came from Christian Aid Ministry, there was a plea to please send us Bibles. And I quote, An evangelist from a restricted country where CAM provided a large quantity of Bibles related how he left his own Bible with a group of 14 believers who had none. So this man was visiting in a country where it was, Bibles were restricted. They didn't even have any. And he decided he wanted to give his Bible to these 14 believers. Later, he, he went back to visit and he wanted to take 14 Bibles to give to the 14 believers. And he was astonished to find out that there was not 14 believers there anymore. There was 562 believers and they had one Bible. So what can God do with you? Sharing a little bit. That's the challenge that I have. Let's don't be so concerned with the harvest. God will take care of that. Are we being faithful? In the small and the little deeds. In conclusion... Brothers and sisters, do you all feel that you are so ordinary with so little to offer? That's okay. God speaks to that in his word. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption, Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. What do you have to offer? Do you believe that God desires that you be a tiny seed multiplied? God is able to take individual seeds that are sown in faith, and multiplying them into a great harvest. Let God take care of the harvest. May God help us to be faithful in planting the seed. May God help us to that end. Shall we have a song?